Chapter 2 August 7th, Chester County, Pennsylvania A stocky, broad-shouldered man drove slowly down a cornfield-bordered lane and rolled to a stop in front of a weathered farmhouse. He eased out of his late-model sedan, stretched, and looked around. Frayed curtains looped across the house windows, no fresh tire tracks other than his own. Green plastic chairs still propped against the front door, beware of dog sign tacked to a leaning post in the overgrown front yard. He glanced back down the lane. No sign he was followed. No one else knew what went on here, but you could never be too careful. Satisfied that he was alone, the man strode to a large, freestanding garage of whitewashed cinder block, which made it decades newer than the house, but the paint was faded and stained gray-green with mold. He reached the front of the garage, ignored the heavy overhead door, and inserted a sturdy key into the lock of a smaller adjacent metal door. The space that greeted him inside was in stark contrast to the garage's decrepit exterior. Built and fitted out to his personal design and specifications, it was brightly lit and spotless. Floors, walls, ceiling, even the long stainless steel lab bench in the center. The room housed state-of-the-art scientific instrumentation. A large machine that resembled an oversized refrigerator stood against the far wall. It was a 33-cubic-foot Karen insect growth chamber, a potential terrorist weapon more powerful than an army of soldiers. He peered through the clear glass at shelves holding metal trays filled with small capsules with perforated caps. The capsules contained ticks. Most people found ticks to be abhorrent creatures, but the man considered them his pets. Not that he blamed others for detesting them. They harbored a rogues gallery of bacteria, viruses, and parasites, and transmitted some of the nastiest diseases known, Rocky Mountain spotted fever, tularemia, Lyme disease, and a host of others. That made them vectors, organisms that transmitted diseases between species. He had given himself the name Dr. Vector. He had read a number of comic books as a kid, and even though he believed he was doing something for the greater good, he also got a certain thrill from imagining himself as a comic book villain. Except this time, the evil scientist was going to prevail. Dr. Vector admired ticks. They'd been around for 300 million years, and more than 800 species inhabited the world. You didn't get to be that successful unless you were good at surviving, and ticks were exceedingly good at that. They fed on blood, lying in wait by clinging to grass, blades, or leaves, forelegs outstretched. When an animal brushed by, they climbed aboard and sought a suitable patch of bare skin. Once settled, they'd cut a tiny hole in the skin, secrete an anticoagulating chemical, insert a feeding appendage, and engorge themselves. A well-nourished female tick could produce thousands of eggs at a time. Even the larvae were bloodsuckers, feeding on birds and small mammals. As they molted, first to the nymph stage and then to adults, they dined on increasingly larger creatures. And at every stage, on every host, the germs they carried were passed along. Dr. Vector checked the gauges on the growth chamber confirmed that temperature and humidity were within prescribed limits, and recorded the readings. After a last look at his charges, he turned and headed toward the exit. His work was done for now. It would be busier tomorrow. Tomorrow was feeding day.
The next day, Dr. Vector donned a white lab coat with stockinette cuffs, pulled on a pair of gloves, securing sticky tape around the wrists, and walked over to the insect growth chamber. He retrieved a small plastic capsule and carried it to the lab table in the center of the room. The table was equipped with a small moat around the perimeter, filled with an inch or so of water which would trap any ticks that tried to escape. As an additional precaution, he smeared a layer of petroleum jelly around the edge of the table and placed the capsule into a petri dish with a layer of water on the bottom. Multiple defenses were in place so that no tick escaped. Each was infected with a deadly virus, a pathogen that would not affect the tick but would almost certainly kill any human that it bit. Every tick had to be accounted for at every stage of the procedure. He gently removed the screened lid of the capsule, placed the petri dish and capsule on the stage of a sterile...